Hello everyone and welcome to A Biological Revolution. I'm Jeff McFadden. The Biological Revolution is a, a plan, a complete and consistent plan, to uh, halt and reverse the effects of global warming on planet Earth. It is uh, radically different from the normal uh, plans, but I believe it to be the only one that would actually work. First, a little housekeeping. Um, the number one response that I get when I talk to people about a biological revolution, that is to say, uh, moving away from our uh, high-speed, high-energy, large-scale technology to an entirely biologically powered society with no heat engines, um, the number one response is people won't do that. And I might as well get that out of the way. I know that. I, uh, I have no idea why exactly I'm recording this because I don't feel much uh, sense that it will ever lead to an outcome which, which is somewhat like what I recommend. But <clears throat> on the other hand, I can't see the future and uh, I'm pretty sure that we don't have as many options as we think we do. And so uh, I... I'm just doing it, and if nobody ever does it, well, nobody ever did it, you know, that's okay. The other thing I want to deal with up front here, there is a, a kind of an unstated, unthought assumption when somebody recommends a drastic change in society that the drastic change will result in utopia. It's like, okay, life is terrible, and I'm Karl Marx, and I'll tell you how you can make life wonderful. Um... But I'm not Karl Marx, and I don't think we can make life perfect. I think that no matter what we do, we will still deal with the basic curse of our humanity, our cussedness and our stubbornness and our bad ideas and our good ideas and our, and our difficulties, the unfairness, the way some people can acquire more things than other people. I'm afraid those are the human condition, and I don't advocate anything that I think will fix those. Um... I have some suggestions about how to deal with distribution so that it's not so horrible. But I don't think I can fix um, the fact that the rich and the poor exist. I raise chickens, uh, just, you know, a yard flock, four, five, six, eight different chickens at once over the years. I've had as many as 12. And um, if you raise chickens and you know chickens, you know that there's a pecking order in chickens. You've heard about it, but the thing is, it's it's 100% real. You can see it in life. One hen is the top hen, and nobody gets in her way. Anybody crowds her, she pecks them. No matter who it is in the flock, if she pecks them, they go away. They get out of her way. She's the boss hen. There's always one. It doesn't matter what breed of chickens you have. It doesn't matter if you have, you know... Two or 50, as long as they're in one flock, not in separate cages, you know, in these industrial boxes, there's a pecking order. There's a top hen, there's a bottom hen, there's a next to the bottom hen, there's a next to the top hen, and it's just like human society. Some people really get a crummy deal, and I can't fix that. I'm sorry. I wish I could. I'm, like everyone else who's, who's an optimist, I... I think up things I think could make it better. And that's all that we can do. So I'm not offering you a utopia. I'm not offering you uh, all our troubles are over. 
I, I think what I'm offering you is, is survival as a species and the survival of the thing which we call civilization, which I may define differently than other people. Uh, I define civilization as, as uh, having all the intellectual best of humankind, of, of uh, you know, Leonardo da Vinci only, not still where he was, because he already did that, but we should have you know, people today who think like that. We should have great art. We should have great theater. We should have a thriving economy in which all the things which are necessary for people to live a reasonably comfortable life are produced, manufactured, and distributed. And I think we can do all of that under biological power. I don't think that current definition of civilization has in it a, a, a built-in assumption of jet planes and cars and superhighways, and more infrastructure means more superhighways, even though we know that making concrete is a major source of global warming. And we know that bulldozing lanes is a major source of, of uh, habitat destruction. And we know that, we know it all. We, we know, if we stop and think about it, we know that everything we're doing and I'm talking we the Democrats now, who are the good guys who want to, to fix things, um, is the same acts that are currently causing death and destruction. And we think that because our intentions are good and our hearts are good, that we can take these same tools of death and destruction and make good things happen with them. I have all the sympathy in the world for that mindset. I agree that we all together want to fix this problem. And uh, I acknowledge all the work of... Right now, today, one of the leading people in this conversation is Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. Another one is Jay Inslee from, from uh, Washington, although... You know, the media owns, the, the media tells you whose words are worth listening to. It's not a question of, you know, whether Jay said something today. It's a question of whether anybody chose to transmit that to you. So, so I don't know for sure, but I know that he's one of the good guys. Except that all the good guys think that the same tools that we use to, to cause global warming and um, mass extinction will enable us to solve them. I don't believe that's reasonable, and I don't believe it's true. So I'm not offering you a, 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 any kind of utopia, but I do think that, that we can go on being highly civilized, being the very best of what humankind are. I'm not trying to take everybody back to some uh, mud hovel grubbing in the earth with a hoe. Many people, not all people, just a lot of people. I'm, I'm not Donald Trump. I can't tell you how many. But a lot of people, because I know a lot of them, would be perfectly happy if they could make a living on a little piece of ground, raising a modest amount of food, using animals for their power. These people exist. I know them. We have a whole magazine called The Small Farmer's Journal, in which we, we associate with one another and we, and we write of our efforts and our work. We're out there. We exist. Um, 
So we could, you know, people like us, because there's a lot of us that, that don't have these opportunities. Most of us who are doing this are either lucky or extremely smart and brave or, uh, like me, have some source of income. You know, I'm a disabled veteran. I can only work a couple hours a day. I can't work around people because I have a hole in my brain and I get really grouchy and people get on my nerves and I explode at them. But I can stay here and work on these things because I don't let any people out here. And um, so I can do this because I have money. You know, and if we provided a uh, universal basic income to anyone who wanted to go uh, give give up his cars and live on on some way in cities or out in the country without them, you know, I think a lot of people would take the deal. Okay, yeah, I'd rather have a universal basic income and be able to write, or be able to think, or be able to study. Uh, or be able to help my fellow man. If I had a universal, I mean, people, the people that don't do anything aren't the people who got some money in their pocket. The people that don't do anything are the people who got no money in their pocket. And they're so, all they can do is feed themselves if they don't move around much. But they haven't got enough money to, to make something. They haven't got enough money to uh go someplace and study. They haven't got enough money to do productive things, and so they're just stuck there. And that's we have a whole bunch of them in our society. Anyway, um, I've gotten off topic, as I always do. This isn't a utopia. Whether people will do this or not, well, I don't know. Let's ask them and find out if they want to. Um, and finally, who chooses who goes? And the answer is, it has to be voluntary. The ideas that I have cannot be imposed from above by force. They won't work. Um, they don't cost much to implement, but they have to be voluntary. So if if everybody's right and nobody will do this, then I lose. You know, If we take a chance and we offer people the opportunity to do this and see what they choose, I don't know that maybe... We'd be surprised. The next question then is how to do this. If okay, this once again is a society in which there are uh, no privately owned automobiles, no airplanes of any kind, no helicopters, none of this. Nothing big and fast, no big fast factories, no big fast power, no big generating plants. And everything that people do is powered by biology. That is to say, we use our bodies, amplified and enhanced by our minds. We use tools like bicycles and tricycles and, and hand and foot powered, what we now use, power tools, drills and saws and things. These all exist. They're, they're not really hard to find or, you know, they're not hard to make. And we could make them now better than anybody ever made them before. So, you know, we, we can do things. So that's what this is. This We wind up someplace where everything is arranged in distances which can be bridged by either people walking or riding or driving animals. And that's the distance range that we accept as a biological distance range. Now, how do we get there from here? Well... Let's start with cities. 
because in cities, if you live in any city east of a line that goes about through Kansas City and Denver and on up somewhere into Canada and south down to New Orleans, if you live in any city or sizable town east of that line, your city was built on biological power. So someplace in your city there are many little neighborhoods where there's lots of little shops and little stores. There's a main downtown, there's other little shopping and store districts scattered all over however big the city is. Because before everybody had cars, everybody could go in the morning and walk down to the store and get what they needed to cook that day. So cities are, old cities are built for this. So that part of the city, all you would have to do is create economic incentives, as I've mentioned earlier, using universal basic, not universal basic income, directed basic income. What we're going to do is we're going to support people who completely take themselves off global warming. Okay? And society's going to support them, and we're going to get that money by taxing the extremely rich. We're going to tax them at 95% like or 91% like Ike did. And if they don't want to pay the taxes, they can just get the hell out and take their business with them because we're going to get by fine without them. We don't need them. That business about them being job creators, that's all lies. They don't create jobs. Hell, they close jobs. They take jobs. And then they say, if you let me tear up this pretty piece of ground over here, I'll make you 100 jobs. And they tear up the piece of ground and make four jobs and move on and tell another lie. So, you know, we tax them. If they want to stay here and live in this country, they pay taxes. If they want to go live in Russia, that's fine. we got no problem with that. They don't have to pay taxes. They can just go away, take their money, take their business, take them, go away completely. But if they're going to be Americans, they have to support America. That's how this works. I, I know they're the boss chicken, but that's still how this works. They have to pay taxes. So that's where we get the money. If that doesn't work, I have, you know, if they all move out, then we'll be so much better off that we won't need so much money. So that'd be that that'd work too. So, you know, I mean I, I don't care. Billionaires can stay, billionaires can go. But if they stay they have to pay taxes. So now in every every city, every neighborhood that exists within walking distance around one of those little pods of shops that used to exist, the buildings mostly still exist. They could be rebuilt. So the neighborhood that feeds those all the people in there would just be offered, you know, if you'll sell your car and sign a contract and never get on an airplane, um, and we'll, uh, we'll provide you an income and let you live here in your own house and shop at these stores. There's no limits. You can do whatever you want for extra money. So, so here we got a bunch of people that are stuck in a little neighborhood. they got enough money to live on. They can, you know, they can get out. I mean, they, they can go ride the bus. We didn't tell them they couldn't ride the bus. They're still stuck in American society. You can't live here without traveling on machinery at this time. So objective here is to build a society in which you can live without traveling on machinery. We know it can be done. The whole world used to be then. We did it for 6,000 years. This is not that hard. Okay. So... The only reason we can't do it now is because our machinery literally caused us to make things farther apart because people don't think about miles when they want to go someplace. They think about time. How long is it going to take me to get to the store? 
15 minutes. Okay, so if the store is 15 minutes away by car, then you can't really get there by walking easily. I mean, it's a hassle, especially if it's 15, 60 mile an hour minutes. So um, we have to create back clusters. We have to seed the, you know, feed the stores, provide the shopkeepers a guaranteed income so they know they can run that store and make a living. And so now we've taken all the old parts of all the cities and we've offered to people this. And the very poorest people, which by the way happens in most American cities to be the black people and the brown people, the very poorest people are the ones who live where all that stuff is. And they're the ones who have the most incentive to take a deal like this. It's like, man, keeping a car fit is killing them, but they got to have it to get over across town to get to their little minimum wage job because nobody will hire them for a decent job. So we go where the poor people are and we say, okay, here, sell your car and live here in your house. And, and you know, if you want to put a wood shop in your basement, that's okay, you know, because we have to move towards this. The first thing we have to get rid of is the distances because the distances are what make the cars and trucks necessary. So in the cities, in the old cities, it's easy. In new cities, in suburbs and stuff, we're going to have to be uh, more creative. We're going to have to pick, uh, you know, we're going to have to let people self-select once again, but in a given neighborhood, some homeowners are just going to, we hope, want to become storekeepers and want to run a shop in their garage downstairs since they don't have a car anymore to park in it and sell people, you know, jars of pickles and loaves of bread. And somebody else will want to bake bread and be a bakery. You know, this is, the objective here is to recreate an energy efficient economy. We have focused our entire mindset since the Industrial Revolution on man-hour efficiency. And it's absurd because we have too many people to do that every single time somebody wants to create some new monstrosity, the justification is jobs. We have all these people who have dropped out of the whole workforce and they need jobs. And But they're not going to make jobs for the, for the people who live in the poorest parts of town. They didn't get an education because we didn't give them one. We owned the schools. We sent them to school. We sent them out. They didn't get an education. Okay, it, the people at the bottom have a right to live too. I got these chickens. I talk about them from time to time. I have a top hen and a bottom hen. I'm the government. It's my job to see to it that the bottom hen eats and drinks water and sleeps every day. And if I'm the government of a country, it's my job to see to it that the people on the bottom, whoever they are, eat and sleep safe and sleep warm and have nice enough clothes to keep themselves safe and are able to educate their children so they can pass on civilization, that thing which we are. Literacy is civilization. And so we can do this in cities pretty easily. You know, most of the people that we're going to offer this to at first have nothing else to do anyway, or if they do, it's just, it doesn't pay for shit. And 
if all the people who are working for minimum wage say, I don't want to work for minimum wage anymore, and I'd rather take this deal, then maybe the rich people will have to pay more. I can live with that. I got no problem with that. You know, let them bid for the people instead of just owning them because there aren't enough jobs. So that's how you do the uh, city. And you just, the objective here is not to flip a switch one day and, and the country is the opposite of what it used to be. The objective is to seed little spots that work and that work biologically. That is to say, there are no cars, there are no golf carts, there are no, there's bicycles and tricycles and horses and donkeys and people, and that's it. No high-speed, fast stuff. Nothing that burns fossil fuels. Nothing that takes a lithium-ion battery. People say, oh, we'll fix it with, with electric cars. In the world today, there are a billion cars. That's a real number. I mean, I just looked it up on, I Googled it, okay? And so you're talking a billion lithium-ion batteries. And by making those, and we're talking batteries big enough to push five or 6,000 pounds, right? 4,000 pounds. Even if you keep it down to 2,000 pounds, um, of which half that weight would be battery. If you could build them, if you could get enough resources to build them, the process of doing it would be so massively destructive. It would just take so much environmental destruction, mining and shipping and all this stuff, and cost a fortune in cash. A fortune. Now, we take that money, we take half of that money, and we give it to people as a basic income in return for living without cars and I would say ideally off the grid. Okay? Here, we'll take care of you. And we just, you know how when Google came to Kansas City and they wanted to put in Google Fiber, they went through a neighborhood and if they couldn't get X number of people to sign up, they just said, okay, screw you, you're out. Do the same thing. Go through a neighborhood, get people to sign up. See how many you get to sign up. If you can get, you know, 82% or whatever number you want to pick, then say, okay, this neighborhood, we're going to do it. We're going to turn off the grid. The rest of you, <laughs> sorry, you're in this neighborhood. There's no grid. Um, we'll buy your house. Um, or you can live in it without a grid. That's you know, the way it goes. Keep gas heat. Th these things, we have to transform our society. And all the best scientific journals say so. Now, everybody goes directly from there to transforming society with high-speed, high-energy, large-scale technology. And nobody tells you how to get from where we are today to there. And that's our problem. That's how I got where I am today. I was one of those people. I, have, I still have essays online at which I recommend putting... Uh, uh, solar panels on every roof, every parking place, just covering. I, you know, I wasn't going to tear up the world to do it. I was going to put it on things that we already got the world torn up. 
but of course even that idea was too extreme. We have to go out in the desert and build and build solar farms so that we can kill every mouse and every snake and every bug and every spider in that desert because we're going to suck up the sun because we need the power. We don't need the power. We want the power, but we do not need the power. So anyway, I started out there. I was all for that. And then because my life has been made of envisioning things and then causing them to happen. I, I design a, a, a thing made out of metal, and then I execute that in the air. I, I heat the metal, and I bend it, and I cut it. And, or I design a thing made out of wood, and I saw it, and I shape it, and I do things with it, and I make a thing. So it's all about implementation. I used to install computer networks. You go in a building, you know, well, what's it look like above that ceiling? Is there, is there fiberglass bats on those ceiling tiles that I have to breathe, or are they light tiles? Uh, can I get up there? Everything, in, in doing anything, is all about the specific steps of implementation. So I started thinking about the specific steps of implementation of the high-speed, high-energy, renewable energy, zero-carbon emission envisioned system and somebody who knows more about manufacturing needs to try to explain to me I do not believe that anyone can take a pencil or a computer program and get that equipment and that system made and installed in place on the earth without emitting so much carbon that we are so far beyond the the uh, worst imaginable number that everybody would just be amazed. I do not believe it can be implemented. Could it ever have? I don't know. We're not there now. We're here now. We have to make this from here. So I'm talking about a system that we make entirely by immediate upfront reductions in carbon consumption at every step. And everybody else is talking about a system in which we make immediate, upfront increases in carbon emission at every step until some miraculous last step where we turn off the stuff that was emitting all the carbon and now we're there, poof. I don't think it can happen. I don't believe it can be done. And if someone wants to run the math for me and show me that it can be done, I would be interested in looking at your work. But, you know, no one ever tells me that it can be done. Everyone tells me that we can't go back. And I'm not proposing that we go back. I'm proposing that we go someplace we've never been. And that is 11, no, I mean, 7.5 billion, 8 billion people on planet Earth moving at such a pace and in such a fashion that we do not further degrade what's left of our ecosystem because we know that it supports us. And we know that one major sign of that degradation is global warming. Um, I believe that's doable. Uh, and I don't believe the other plan is. So um, that's why I'm talking about how to get there. So today I've told you how to get cities there. I think uh, that's probably a good, good place to stop for the day. Thank you.